listening to the Oil & Gas This Week podcast with Mark LaCour and Paige Wilson. This is the show for busy oil pros who quickly want to keep their finger on the pulse of the industry. You're listening to Oil & Gas This Week podcast brought to you by IBM. This is the show for busy oil pros who want to quickly keep their finger on the pulse of the industry. And thanks to everyone for joining us for episode 202. How's it going, Paige? It's going. It's allergy season in Texas, man. It's allergy season. We're locked down. I need a haircut and my eyebrows are a mess. I'm oh. ready for all this stuff to just go away. Yeah. Yeah. Like your eyebrows? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like my eyebrows. And speaking of stuff that we wish would go away, that's not the reviews. The reviews is the number one way to support the show and our eight other oil and gas podcasts. We have a really good one. Ooh, I'm a butcher your name from the UK. Odette Ekarush from the United Kingdom. Hello, I've been meaning to leave a review since 2017, but just never got around to doing it. I used to be a chemical engineer working for an oil field service provider. I wanted to switch to business-related role, still within the industry, but only had engineering knowledge and experience. I started listening to your podcast to learn about what's going on in the industry, business, geopolitical, unrest, industry drivers, blah, blah, blah. And in 2017, I successfully landed a role in strategy and was told that what set me apart from the other candidates was my knowledge on the various digital activities going on with this sector. I first heard about that from you guys. I did more research on it. One year later, still listening to your podcast, I landed a job in one of the IOCs, a super major, as a business development advisor. I saved myself so much money because I was told that in order for me to make that switch, I would have to do an MBA. But instead, I listened to your podcast. <laughs> so I just want to say thank you for this podcast. It can help me land my dream job in my dream company. But now I have new problems. I need to dream again. Perhaps COO of, of an IOC. Who knows? Man, what a great review. So, Aim high. Yeah. Aim high. I'm glad we were able to help you. You know, this is just a great review. You know, good luck to you in the future. Actually, now that you're working with one of the big IOCs, you ought to reach back out to me. I would love to pick your brain about a couple of things because we're not in a normal environment right now. And speaking about being not in a normal environment, let's get to the news shows. Oh, man. All right. So oil training below zero as future market craters. Yeah. And so this is slightly dated, but in our kind of messed up place we are right now in the oil and gas industry, it doesn't matter. The prices swing back and forth on an hourly basis. I just checked. We're at $12 a barrel. And Paige, I cannot believe, I'm going to say that I'm happy that we're at $12 a barrel sub negative numbers. It never thought, yeah, I never thought I'd, I'd ever see that. Goodness. Yeah, this is a Bloomberg article and it's basically explaining what's happening. And the thing that you need to understand is people really aren't paying you to take a barrel oil. It's all set on the futures price and basically what they're happen, what's happening is capacity is at maxed out. We're not consuming hydrocarbons, so the oil's just stuck. And so if, if you want to look at it from a financial point of view, it's actually negative numbers. This is horrible. This is horrible for, for our industry, for our people. You know, this is just, just a really bad place to be. Is there some bright points? Yeah. Do we see them yet? No. How long do you think that's going to be until we see something, though? The last quarter of this year. Yeah. I think things will start picking up, and I think by the first quarter, it'll be better. But I think that the lockdowns will be lifted, and I think life will start getting back together, back to normal around June. That's what we really need, because what we need is consumption. We need people to start flying again, start driving again, buying soccer balls. I it's, just need a hug. <laughs> I just want to hug one of my friends. Yeah, That's all. That too, or being able to go out to eat with friends or have a yeah, drink somewhere. Yeah, yeah, just the socialization of it all. But yeah, just not good news from Bluebird, but we all know what's going on. We just got to get through it. What's next? Stimulus options for the oil patch. Yeah, this is really an interesting article. This is in a resource called Resources, which is actually kind of funny. It's an economic publication. 
And it's talking about how the oil and gas industry has been a bright spot in the U.S. economy for at least the last 10 years. But one of the things that's going on is that we're in a bad place right now, as in everybody else's, between the lack of demand, the low crude price environment, this COVID-19 lockdown. And so people are looking at trying to help different parts of different industries, the airline industry, the oil and gas industry, the restaurant industry, and the federal government stepping in to help. Now, stepping in to help doesn't mean that we're just going to write you a big check, because what happens is there's always fraud. And we're seeing some of that stuff on the news right now where companies have applied and accepted money that they really shouldn't have happened. So we got to make sure that doesn't happen in our industry. But, you know, the ability to go out and make sure that we maintain safety and environmental compliance is really big. And that's one of the, the packages the federal government's putting together to make sure that we can take wells down, that we can plug wells and we can monitor them. And so the other thing they're looking at doing is helping fund some of the infrastructure. So this is just a, a good article on how the U.S. government's stepping in and trying to provide some stimulus options for the oil and gas industry without going overboard. And, and we need it. So good catch, Paige. Yeah. So the next one is Trump plans to help oil patch despite Democrats' opposition. That pause is me biting my tongue. In the market we are now, it should not be politics at it all. It shouldn't. No, absolutely not. This should be our leader's helping the people and the companies of our country. And this just gripes me to no end that certain parts of our political spectrum are taking this as an opportunity to try to harm an industry that's literally dying right now, right? right? And we're not going anywhere. It's, you know, the future of mankind, the prosperity, the modern lifestyle we lead is all depends on hydrocarbons. So this is just politics is normal. It really bothers me that Democratic side of our political spectrum is doing this sort of but stuff. But it's not all Democrats. I did read somewhere else and I cannot remember the senator's name, but she is in all about trying to help our industry, which I kind of took me aback. That's really interesting. So you had a Democratic senator that's actually trying to help. She probably comes from a state where a lot of jobs are supported by the oil and gas. Well, industry. right. Well, I mean, that's your job as being part of a, as a representative or a Congress is you're supposed to represent your your area, your district. Not your personal political Not your beliefs. personal. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, it's a shame that organizations are trying to take advantage of this. And to your point, Paige, I won't say dem all Democrats. That was probably the wrong thing for me to say. Well, I mean, that's the name of the title. Of the, that's the title of the article. So it is what it is. Yeah. And so this is just another round of funding to help stave off all these bankruptcies that are happening in the oil and gas patch, especially the smaller producers. I think the Treasury Department and the Federal Reserve are also looking to step in. So let's keep an eye on this. But help's coming. Unfortunately, it's not going to save everybody. No. Yeah. It's a shame. What's next? So the next one is Texas Railroad Commission avoids proration route, uh, what is, vote. What is proration? Because that's right in your sweet spot. Well, so it's not to flood the market with oil. I mean, uh, there's a, an actual proration department of of the Railroad Commission. It basically means make an arrangement on the basis of proportional distribution. So production numbers, right? So they, yeah. almost like quotas. Yeah, exactly. Okay. This is really, it's a good article. Paige found this in RigZone. And it's about the Railroad Commission trying to decide what to do. And proration is one of the options on the table. So basically is we would set quotas or numbers to bring production down, to bring prices back up. Right. And it's actually really interesting that Ryan Sitton, who's a fan of our show and we're a big fan of his, is one of the people that ch is starting to champion this. But he was quoted as saying, but I also agree with Commissioner Craddock that if we're going to go down this road, it is imperative that our motion be done in a way that is lawful and does not open us up to months of litigation. Neither of these positions are mutually exclusive. And he's on, he's exactly right. Between you and me, Paige, and our, what is it, 
800,000 listeners for this show. I don't even know anymore. <laughs> it's, I actually like this idea, but I understand, I think we talked about it before, but I understand that it actually does create an antitrust environment here in the U.S. Well, US. right. And, and they want to talk to other states about this as well to kind of get a feel for that. And I know they're coming back, I think, to vote on May 5th, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah May 5th. Yeah, and the other states is really good because that's who would sue us. So I made a joke, I think, last time that North Dakota would sue us for antitrust and things. But if we can agree with the other big producing states, maybe this is the right path to go down. Well, and that's the why the whole reason they avoided the vote and pushed it back was so they could talk to the other states because they don't want to step on toes. I mean, we are Texas, but it is. <laughs> but I mean, I wouldn't want to step on anybody else's toes either. That's the livelihood of other people in other states. Yeah, no, that's exactly the right thing to do is just push the vote out. It is. I'm still trying to figure out why industry groups don't like this idea. We talked earlier about how API doesn't like this idea. Now it looks like- Even Todd Staples with Texas Oil and Gas Association. Yeah, so Todd and the Texas Oil and Gas Association have come out saying against this. There's a reason for that. I think I know what it is, but give me some more time to get down to the bottom of it because I actually think it's a good idea. But I do realize that it's probably slightly illegal unless we change- some of the ways that we operate from a overarching government level. But let's keep an eye on this because I think this will be a hot topic for a while. Oh, yeah. That, we'll probably end up talking about it next week, to be honest. Okay, so next one. NOIA elects Chairman Galen Cobb, Halliburton, and Vice Vice Chairman Matt McCarroll filled with energy. I chose this one because I used to work for Matt McCarroll a long, long, long time ago. And look at where you are now. Uh, now you're talking about him on the podcast. <laughs> He's probably used to me talking about him. <laughs> yeah, this is really cool. So this is the National Ocean Industries Association, and he's this is the uh, board of directors. And it's basically an offshore organization. And they do a lot of work with the oil and gas industries to make sure that when we're operating places like the Gulf of Mexico, that we're doing it safely and environmentally responsibly. And at the same time, they're representing the oil and gas companies that operate offshore to the public and to our government. So it's, I don't know Matt. I, oh, he's a great businessman. Shout out to Matt McCarroll. <laughs> yeah, I do happen to know Galen Cobb. Do you? It's, oh yeah, yeah. We're not friends or anything, but we run into some of the same circles, same political circles, especially. Good choices here. It's nice to see industry expertise on some of these bigger organizations. One of the things that bothers me a lot is I look at some of these industry organizations and their board of directors have no people that's ever worked in the industry. And that's, you end up getting Why would you elect somebody that doesn't have any experience? Because they have the right political connections. Gotcha, lobbyists. Right checkbook, yeah, that lobbying. sort of thing. Yeah, gotcha. So I almost think that part of their subchapter rules should be X percentage of their board has to be industry people, but that's not for me to decide. But good for Galen and for Matt, and good luck to both of y'all. If y'all need something, we can help you on the show. Reach out. We'll do oh, it. he knows how to get a hold of me. Anyway, U.S. oil consumption stabilizes, but stockpiles continue to swell. Yeah, so the amount of hydrocarbons that we consume as a, as a nation, as a country, has dropped by about 30%, which is enormous. But it's not dropping any further, which I guess is a good thing. The problem is, we've talked about this in the last shows, we're talking about in this show, and I'm sure we'll talk about it in future shows, is that there's a lot of hydrocarbons being stored. And the countries and the organizations that store it and that report what the numbers are, that's okay, because you can end up doing the math, you can figure out how that's going to affect future prices. The problem is there's all countries and companies that don't report it, so we don't really know how much storage is out there. But I tell you this much, it's just about full. In fact, I would say it is full. By the time this show comes out, there's not going to be any storage anywhere. 
And so that drives a couple of things. So the people that do storage, the guys that build tanks and everything are busy as heck right now. There's a huge demand for more storage. The problem is there's going to be a lag time in construction because of the COVID-19 virus. And then it also, it changes. So depending on where you are in the world, you know, you may have a lot of, you may have some storage left or you may have none. The other thing that's happened is you're also seeing refined goods being stored. And a big shout out to Andy with our offshore podcast. He actually educated me. I didn't realize that there's a shelf life for gasoline and diesel. So, oh, yeah. 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 So so when they store it, both of them have a shelf life. And if you can't get rid of it X amount of time, it's not good anymore. So the refined goods, it'd be interesting to see what happens with the storage. It's the crude on the market, and especially the, all the work that Saudi Arabia did early on with getting very large crude carriers under contract. That's what I'm keeping my eye on. And that's what I can't get my, my head around completely. It will affect future prices as demand goes up. The people that have this stored oil will put it on the market so they can make a profit, which is normal business, right? But how long will it keep prices lower than normal? Nobody knows yet. I'm starting to think it will keep prices low the rest of this year and things will start picking up early next year. So let's just keep an eye on this. All right. Airlock Heed signs 11 new long-term contracts for on-site gas supply. So first thing, Airlock Heed thanks you for saying their name right. Right, they're a French company. Oh, hey, I've said it wrong. <laughs> I've said it wrong before. Yeah, we actually have probably pretty big listening group over there. Air look, look at the air liquid business. <laughs> but this is good for them. They they signed a bunch of new long term contracts, which is a core of their business. A lot of it's actually in the U.S. and in China. And so this is telling you that companies know that we're going to come out of this low crude price environment. Companies know the economy's going to pick back up. Companies know there's going to be a demand for hydrocarbons, for fuels, for refined products, all that sort of stuff. And here's Air Liquide getting ahead of all of that. So I know it's bad now, people, but it, it's coming back. You know, Air Liquide typically does 10-year-long, 20-year-long contracts. So, you know, this isn't anything that's going to affect what's going on next month. But it will start figuring in as we move forward. The cool thing about this is when you start doing on-site natural gas, usually for electrical generation, you're now eliminating pollution, right? And so not only are they making a little money here, not only are they going to make, create some jobs, but they're actually help lower some emissions, which is kind of cool. So shout out for them for getting these long-term contracts. Let's see where they go, but I know where they're going. This is just normal day-to-day business for them. They're going to keep working on it. So, you know, good for them. Yeah. All right. So- U.S. investigating multi-million dollar trading fraud via OPEC insiders. You knew this was going to happen. You mm-hmm. knew when there's money to be made that there's going to be trading fraud. Unfortunately, because this is a global commodity and we're talking about global players, so we're talking about basically us, uh, Russia, and OPEC, which is really just Saudi Arabia, there's a bunch of fraud. There's been a bunch of fraud going on for a while. And what they're trying to figure out is that are the traders, are the future traders, are they benefiting from insider tips or pieces of information coming from not only lawmakers, which I swear to God, if any of our lawmakers are making a dollar off this mess, they better not be voted back in office, but also from, you know, the bad actors in other big city states. So, you know, if I'm totally get you making a dollar, I also totally get that, you know, sometimes you can make a dollar, somebody else can't. But when you're making a dollar by creating fraud, by getting insider information from politics and, you know, senior people at big companies during a global pandemic, shame on you. Yeah, shame on you. Let's see, what would you have next? Facing backlash, Saudis could reroute oil tankers headed for the U.S. Speaking of Saudi Arabia. Yeah, you know, this is going on in the Midland right now. There are protests, people out there protesting, saying no Saudi oil. Your hearts are in the right place, people. I get it. I Trust me, I love this industry. But it doesn't make a difference. What you need to understand is our refineries are set up to refine heavy, complex crudes. 
the crews that we produce in the U.S. are light and sweet. Our refineries can't really do anything productive with them. That's why we handle the heavy complex crudes, because it's a technology challenge to refine those and turn it to goods. And we're one of the few countries that can do it. And you see, keep seeing this tie in with Saudi Arabia. This is Saudi Aramco that's doing this. It's Saudi Aramco U.S., not Saudi Aramco, the mothership in the Middle East. Saudi Aramco U.S. is owned by Saudi Aramco in the Middle East, but Saudi Aramco U.S. has U.S. employees and they pay U.S. taxes. So, you I know, mean, didn't they just do an IPO? How? Yeah, that was Saudi Aramco. Yeah. yeah, before all this mess started. Yeah. Right? So you're seeing people protesting this oil because they think it's taking the place of American oil and it's keeping prices low. It's not. Our oil gets typically gets either blended at the different refineries and petrochemical plants with the heavy crude, or it gets exported to countries that don't have the money and technology proudness to, he- to refine heavy complex crudes, what's something called a teapot refinery. So our light sweet crudes are actually very easy to refine. So countries that don't have the access to what we have here in the States, this way they can refine crudes to make fuels for their people. So our oil is part of the global market. The global market needs to ease up and it will once we start consuming. So if you're going to protest stuff, protest the crooked politicians, protest the politicians that aren't helping your industry, but don't protest Saudi oil coming in the U.S. because it doesn't make a difference. Duly noted. All right. Bit Defender, spearfishing campaigns targeting oil and gas industry. <sighs> we get spearfishing campaigns ourselves on a daily basis. Yes. And Bit Defender's cool. We actually used to use them. We may still use them. I have to go back and look on our, mm, our tech stack. I don't know. Yeah, but we used to, we, we know those people. So if we're I'm not, not IT, me neither. <laughs> if we're not using you, Bitfinder, we used to use you when we liked you. I think we are. It doesn't matter. It's- yeah. So because everybody's locked down at home and because people are working from home and because of what's happened to the economy, the bad guys, the cyber, bad, the cyber terrorists out there are out there putting, basically trying to get malware installed on your machine. And when they get malware installed on your machine, they use it for a couple of things. One of the things, they use it for denial of service attacks. That's when they gear up your machine, everybody else's machine, to ping some website somewhere to overload it. You won't even know what's going on. You may notice your laptop's slowing down. You don't know why. What you're really doing is sending hundreds of ping requests to CNN.com or whatever. So, But the other thing that's happened is, is people are trying to get into your environments. We have it happen with us all the time. Super, super shout out to Microsoft who runs our back office with Office 365. Every time we get attacked, Microsoft contains it, shuts it down, yep. lets us know about it. Right. Um, so they're managing our security. And if you're not an Office 365 user, you should look at doing it because it, it really, not only is it secure, it's so easy. This sounds like a commercial with Microsoft and it's not. But these uh, spear phishing campaigns are all over the place. So people, if you're working from home, you know the drill. If you don't recognize the email address, don't open it. If it doesn't make sense, typically there's grammar mistakes or they don't understand the U.S. nuances in the grammar, don't open it. Don't click on anything. And if you're running Windows, make darn sure you have very robust antivirus. And even if you're running Mac, make sure you have very robust antivirus. So it sounds like the hackers are super bored and don't have anything exactly, else to it's, do. It's exactly what's going on. And actually, Paige, I just noticed the Bitdefender logo in my tool tray. So we are. <laughs> we are. <laughs> I told you I wasn't IT. We are a Bitdefender user. Yeah, there you go. Okay, so I found this. It's about a month old, but turns out RuPaul may be fracking on his enormous ranch in Wyoming. And Paige, if people don't know who RuPaul is, who's RuPaul? He is actually a drag superstar. Yeah, he's a drag queen. He's actually funny as all get out. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. I've watched him for years. 
Yeah. So he owns a whole bunch of lands. That, I think it's in Wyoming. I think it's about 60 acres. No, I think it's like 60,000 acres. Oh, is it 60,000? Yeah. And so he leases his mineral rights. And he talked about this on a show that he was on. And of course, the public has a conniption fit because he's leasing his mineral rights. So number one, it's his land. If you don't want him to lease his mineral rights, go buy it from him and you can stop him leasing, right? So here's what's cool. At least 35 active oil and gas wells Good on for his him. property. Good for him. And so the, you have other people talking about hey, that he doesn't care about the planet and he's damaging the environment. People, <laughs> stop it. <laughs> Literally, you would not be able to listen to this podcast if it wasn't for hydrocarbons. The Whatever device you're listening on, at least half of it's made from hydrocarbons. So this is just social media going off on somebody because he's a public figure. I think it's cool he's leasing his mental rights. It's his land. He can do whatever he wants. you know. But this is a funny find because I would have never picked one of the top drag queens as operating such a, a robust oil and gas operation. I don't even know how I came across it. I just thought that was so neat. It's actually a good story. It's a funny story. And Rue, we'd love to have you on the shows if you're listening. <laughs> it's Rue Paul. Rue be, Paul, I'm be, sorry. Be correct. Be correct. <laughs> All right, so that's it for the shows. We're still doing the IBM giveaway. Everybody out there that's registered, we've learned that there's been a bit of a kink in the delivery. So if you've won and you've been notified and you haven't received your shirt yet, it's okay. It's this COVID-19 lockdown. Well, um, there's essential stuff that needs to get out to people that need things versus a t-shirt. So Yeah. And so us and IBM both have said that we're going to let the essential deliveries of everything happen. And then once life gets back to normal, start delivering the t-shirt. So thank you for your patience. You're playing a part in helping us with all this. But- you should win the shirt. We got some really cool stuff going. You've heard me say this a million times. We spent money on this. It's cut for men or women. It's got a pump jack uh, print on the front, our logo on one shoulder, IBM's logo on the other shoulder. And the biggest thing is that unique serial number. If you enter and you don't win, enter every week. You can enter every week. It's totally fine. Can I enter? No, you work here. Oh, it's against crap. the rules. You can't work here. We actually had one of our fellow podcasters got slightly upset with me that I wouldn't let them have a shirt. Well. I can't. I get it. You have to win it. Although we have some swag coming. We're waiting on Catherine to get that done. I actually talked to her about that yesterday. Well, especially for the street team. Yep, especially for the street team. And what they came up with is actually beautiful. Yeah. I hate to even do this. Paige, uh, what's the weekly rig count? 425. Jeez. <laughs> and it's going to keep going down, too. That's I don't okay. know. I don't know. I actually read recently that there's a bunch of different states do people are applying for drilling permits. It's interesting. It's a watch a lot of companies start applying for gas in parts of the US that are gas heavy fields. And so that tells me that a lot of companies think gas is gonna come back before crude. And they're probably right, but they're switching, right? They're, they're going from their left-hand game to their right-hand game. But still, I still suspect the drill rigs are going to drop a little bit lower before they level off. It's just what we have to go through, people. We, it will come back. We just have to get through this. And speaking of it will come back, the street teams never went anywhere. We're going to play a part. Just uh, go to Facebook, look, search for OGGN street team. When things get back to normal, you'll get to play a part in our press team. If we're in an event in your local area, you get to come to our live events for free. And all we really ask you to do is help promote our social media. We ask for an hour's worth of work a week. And quite honestly, if you get Maybe busy, even that. It's not even that much. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's a great deal. And, and we have this global organization of, of people that – you know, support what we're doing that help us. And it's, it's like family. It's like cousins, right? So we have all these cousins all over the street. Well, that's team. such that's <laughs> such a Louisiana term. Hey, cuz, how you doing? And audience, if you don't know, Paige and I are both from Louisiana. <laughs> <laughs> and then monthly email, it has not went out in the last two months. We haven't had any events. No events, but we just brought in a new intern. So shout out to Samantha. 
and edit that out. We just brought in a new intern. Shout out to Savvy. She's going to be handling our new events newsletter. It's going to be reformatted. We're probably going to start kicking it off in June. And I'm guessing in the beginning, there'll be a lot of virtual events in there, but we'll eventually get back to the normal stuff where we give you insider tickets to stuff you normally can't get discounts, all that sort of stuff. The newsletter's free. Go to the show notes, sign up. We promise never to spam you. This is the point where I talk about travel, so I might as well skip that. This is also the point where, <laughs> no where, kidding. where I talk about speaking. If you want Tim and I to come to your marketing, sales and marketing kickoff, to your conference, your expo, your student organization, let me know. I'm happy to share the details with you. First Friday Q&A, we're already getting questions rolling in. Remember, the goal is not to stump Paige and I. Oh, no, it's easy to stump me. <laughs> the goal, But definitely try to stump Mark. No, I, no. <laughs> the, the goal is to help educate our audience. So anything that you want to know, ask a question. If we use your question on there, you will get a big shout out. And then while you're out there, go ahead and go to the website, oilandgasthisweek.com. Give us your email address. And we promise not to spam you there either. And that's where we let you know cool stuff we're doing in the future. Join the LinkedIn group. It has exploded. I don't even know what the numbers are anymore. It has to be one of the biggest oil and gas LinkedIn groups out there. I have to go look at that. No, I don't think so. No. But nice try. <laughs> nice try. Okay. Well, we're on track. <laughs> we're almost at 3,000. Well, I think 30,000? 3,000. The group is different from the company page, Mark. So I'm actually talking about the page. Yeah, the, the page. Yeah, that. Oh no, that's golden. That's like over thirty something. I don't know. Yeah. So maybe we have one of the biggest oil and gas company pages out there. No. No. Still no. No. Okay. I'll, sh I'll yeah. shut up again. It just. <laughs> yeah. All right, Paige. You ready to get out of here? Yep. Remember, folks, do great work, pay it forward, and we will see you next time. And here are events on deck. Hi, everybody. Alex here with the events on deck. So obviously, we are in. Uh, unprecedented times right now and have been unable to carry out our last couple of happy hours that we had scheduled for last month. We have chosen to delay them and we'll continue to update you on when exactly we will be able to have those events again. Obviously, we're following along the recommended guidelines of the CDC and the World Health Organization. So we're really looking forward to seeing you and we're hoping that these events are going to happen sooner rather than later. But for now, stay tuned and we will keep you posted on those dates. Also, just want to say thank you to everyone for continuing to listen to Oil & Gas Global Network. We are fortunate to already have been a virtual company before the coronavirus and all of these issues started plaguing various countries. And we just want to continue bringing you guys the best information and to the best of our ability, keep you informed, especially while everyone is at home or at least most more people than ever before are at home. So we just would like to thank you for continuing to tune in and continuing to listen. And we hope that everyone is staying safe and we wish everyone the best. And thanks again. Tune in next week for another informative and entertaining episode of Oil & Gas This Week podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.